The goal line is back. We got an absolute barn burner of uh, Monday Night Football doubleheader games going on right now. The Saints and Panthers are putting the finishing touches on theirs, and we're at halftime with the Steelers-Browns for another episode of the goal line. Jordan, what's going on, man? Man, just another exciting week of NFL action, and I can't wait to get into it and break down what happened this week. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, man. We had another exciting week. Some game, I think, in general, I think the games were slightly better than uh, than week one, but it still seems like offenses are kind of stuck in second gear. Yeah, you can definitely tell a lot of teams aren't using preseason to their advantage to get the offense in tune. Um, yeah, man, it just it's been weird. We'll, we'll get into it. I got some questions about it, so we'll get into it. Yeah, for sure. Before we get into the football talk, please remind the listeners where they can find us on social media. On Twitter, X, whatever you prefer, it is goal underscore line underscore pod. And then on Instagram, it is the goal line football show. Hell yes. And we want to thank everybody for listening all the support. Um, remember, if you are listening on the Chick Foley show feed, go ahead and drop a uh, a subscribe on the, the goal line exclusive feed. Also help bump us up the algorithm to kind of just help us, um, you know, get discovered by some potential new listeners because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, there are a lot of freaking football podcasts out there. Yeah, there's only a couple. I mean, you just we need uh, you guys to help us to to separate it a little bit from the pack because yeah, it's it's really hard to move the needle on a football podcast. So any, anytime you guys can help, we we definitely would appreciate it. Yeah, I saw a couple five-star reviews come through. Thank you guys for that. Always means the world to us. Continually humble that, you know, anytime somebody just decides to give a little bit of time to listen to what we got to say, and especially if you can take an extra moment to drop a review, because it does help out. So, listener appreciation out of the way. You ready to talk some football? Let's get into it. I think I forgot to hit that drop last week, man. I, I was kicking myself all week for leaving it out. I just, I, I love that thing so much. And for those of you guys that don't know, um, new listeners to the goal line, longtime listeners to the Chick Foley show, we are live to tape. We do, you know, we, we do minimal editing afterwards. For the most part, we kind of just check it, make sure everything sounds good, and, and we drop it. So, uh, you know, if we leave something out, we just roll with it. Yeah, we don't, uh, we don't worry about if we say stupid things. I mean, it's just a uh, part of our, uh, our whole cachet. So you guys, if we say anything stupid, just ignore it. Jordan does go down in Chick Foley show history as the only person to ever have something they said completely be edited out of the show uh, in post-production. So uh, we're not going to reveal what it was that was said. That'll maybe be on, you know, the dark side of the pod. Um, what What's we're, we're done with this whole, uh, this whole initiative down the road. Yeah, and it's not that bad. Like it, I mean, it, it wasn't, wasn't that bad. It, it no. wasn't good, but it wasn't that bad. Like <laughs> I don't want anyone to think like, "Hey, man, he dropped something like really controversial." It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad, but it was definitely it was one of those things. Like, yeah, let's just clear it up, dude. It didn't. Uh, yeah, but again, that'll be our little secret. We'll take to the grave at least till we're done podcasting. Uh, you ready to get into some football talk? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, so- real quick, man. First off, though, this doubleheader. What are, what are your thoughts? We we heard people uh, loving the, uh, the the live commentary. I think both these games tonight have sucked, man. Yeah, this is a this is a bad bad uh, doubleheader if I've ever seen one. Um, the Panthers are making a little comeback, but I think it's too late. It's twenty to seventeen right now with a minute and sixteen seconds left. So, I mean, at least they came back a little bit. 
The Steelers and Browns is an absolute shit fest. Nick Chubb blew out his knee. He's definitely done for the year. He might be done forever. I mean, he already injured that same knee in college. so It looked bad. It, it looked really bad. Um, but, yeah, this has not been a stellar night of football. We'll just say that. Yeah, the Bills-Jets game last week, it was ugly as hell, but it was at least, like, dramatic and compelling with the Aaron Rodgers injury and then, you know, um, Josh Allen seemingly having money riding on the game or something to make sure that you had the Jets covered. But, but yeah, let's get into the rest of the Week 2 action. All right, so we're going to kick it off a little different tonight because, I mean, these are me and Seth's football team, so we're going to start here. Uh, Falcons and Titans both get a W in Week 2. Falcons are now 2-0, and Titans are now 1-1. and Out of the two of them, I'm way more shocked that the Titans won, to be completely honest with you. I thought the Chargers would come out with uh, some nasty intent and knowing they needed to win that game, and wowzers, uh, they are in deep, deep trouble. Dude, never bet against Vrabel, man. That guy's just a hell of a coach cooking up a game plan. You know, I mentioned it on the picks last week. I did pick the Chargers, but... Dude, the, the the Titans gave the Chargers a hell of a game last year in L.A. with Tannehill on one leg. So I knew they were going to hang tough. Um, and, you know, Tannehill actually got together, man. I remember the first quarter, I'm texting with my dad. And we're like, dude, they'd be – I think the thing I told him was they'd be better off just lining up Derrick Henry and the Wildcat and running that every single play. Um, but Tannehill shook it off, man. He's a tough dude. He was hanging in that pocket, taking some big hits, but delivering the football. So, you know, he's definitely – uh, on on the washed uh, alert watch, man, because it's just he doesn't look anything like the athletic guy he was when he first came in the league. But I will say that's a tough son of a bitch back there playing quarterback, and he he let him down the field for the victory. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not gonna hate on the guy because I mean, yeah, he put it together when they needed him too most. Um, I was definitely impressed with them. On the flip side of the coin, the Falcons are doing something I don't think I've ever seen in my life as a Falcons fan and actually playing the fourth quarter, which is quite a nice surprise. Um, that's two weeks in a row that they've won the fourth quarter convincingly. Um, when they were down 12 going into the fourth quarter, I looked at Ari and I was like, well, that's the end of that. Um, but, dude, Ritter is nothing spectacular at all. But I'll tell you what, man, when the game was on the line, he played really well and Bijan is an absolute freak of nature. That dude is, he is special. I mean, I, I knew he was going to be good, but I think he's already exceeded my expectations through two weeks. He's he's a beast and basically unstoppable. And I still don't feel like we've seen like a Bijan game plan, right? He's just doing it within the normal game flow. I don't think we've seen... Um, Arthur Smith sat there and said, hey, you know what? We need to get this ball, this guy 25 touches this week and, and see what he can do, man. I think that he's got a 200-yard, a three-touchdown game just waiting to happen any week now. I mean, dude, he had 172 yards yesterday combined, and I was extremely frustrated with his usage. I just I felt like they went away from him way too much, um, and they were leaning on Ritter to throw the ball way more than I would like. Um, when you have a dominant run-blocking offensive line and a – uh, running back like Bijan, sometimes I think the coach just overthinks it, and I think Arthur Smith would definitely say he's guilty of that. Um, but, dude, defense played lights out in the fourth quarter, didn't allow a point, and, I mean, they scored 13 of their own to win that game. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very impressed with the Falcons through two weeks. They, they definitely look like a team that could make some noise. Their defense is playing well. 
I mean, everybody talked about how good Jordan Love played yesterday, and he had 151 yards passing. I know he had three touchdowns, but two biggest plays for the Packers on offense were two defensive pass interferences against the Falcons. So, I don't know, man. I, I'm i not going to buy all the way in yet. I mean, they need to keep showing me this, but, dude, the Falcons look good through two weeks, I think. It's a weak division, man. There's no, there's absolutely no reason the Falcons can't go 10-7 and seven and host a playoff game this year. Oh, we the first. Do, oh, uh, we haven't oh, had a playoff game hosted in the the new dome yet, right? Two thousand seventeen. Did they not host a playoff game that year? No, nah, they played on the road against the Rams in the wild card. Then they went up to Philly and almost beat the Eagles in the divisional round that year. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we haven't made the playoffs since then. Well, here's the thing, though. Like you, you said, a weak division. There's three two and O teams in that division. So I don't know how weak it True. is. True. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be easy. But I don't. I don't see anybody running away with it. Yeah. You know, even all credit to the the hot starts by the by the Saints and, and the Bucks. I don't see. You know, I don't think there's a twelve or thirteen win team in that division. I'd be really skeptical to say there's an eleven win team in that division. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, what did you think of Arthur Smith going for it on that fourth and one when they're already in field goal range there at the end of the game? Dude, if you watch his reaction, it did not look like that was the play they called. I mean, it worked, but like he put his hands on his head when they snapped the ball. Like It was like he did not want them to run the play. They were trying to draw him off sides, but they ran it. And I mean, dude, again, don't overthink it. Just give the ball to Bijan. Like, the dude's a stud. <laughs> like, you don't need to overthink it. He's going to make something happen. I was wondering if it was a busted player miscommunication because if you look, I think it worked to their advantage because I think it just completely confused the defense and froze them for a half count. But Desmond Ritter looked like he was like playing hot potato the way he he tossed that ball out to to Bijan, man. Um, yeah, that was definitely a funky looking play, but it worked. I mean, it's a results driven league, so you really can't criticize it too much. But dude, that's a risky freaking call, and I think there would have been some serious heat on him if uh, if that would have backfired on him. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, we might as well just go into my next question, which is uh, what is going on with all the wild fourth down attempts? Like, it seems like every team is going for a fourth down every week now. Before, dude, you would only have like a, a handful of coaches that would even consider going for it on fourth down. And, dude, there's teams that are going for it on fourth down from like their own 30-yard line. Like, the, the, yesterday, perfect example, the Jags went for it on like fourth and five from their own 45. Chiefs couldn't put together a drive, and they just give them the ball at the 45-yard line, and of course they get a touchdown out of it. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it seems wild. Like, the coaches are just throwing caution to the wind and not caring, which I get it, dude. The The NFL really does stand for not for long if you're a head coach because they are not uh, scared at all to pull the trigger on firing you. So I get it, but it's just, I mean, it's a little weird to me. Dude, you know what I think it is, man. The people that are getting head coaching jobs and offense coordinator jobs right now are basically our age or a couple years older. And we're the first real video game generation that's arriving in these positions, man. We've all grown up playing Madden and everybody fucking knows you don't punt unless you absolutely have to, dude. It's got to be fourth and 12 plus, man, or I'm fucking rolling the dice and going for it. And I think we're just seeing the Madden generation become head coaches, man. Um, in all seriousness, I think it's just the rise of analytics. You know, it's becoming obviously that it started in baseball, then became a really big deal in basketball, and it's making its way over to football. And I think a lot of times the numbers show, dude, you're better off just trying to go for it on that fourth down. You know, you might get a conversion, you get a penalty, it's automatic first down, and the drive keeps going. It's so valuable just hanging on to the football. So 
I kind of dig it. Now, the the bad side, you know, there's going to be times where you have a ugly failed conversion, and you basically, you know, like you mentioned with that Chiefs uh, Jags game, you hand the team the other team the ball on a silver platter. But I'm always a fan of of being aggressive and going for the win. I'll, I'll take that. You know, I'll take my chances and and live and die by that anytime. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's just it seems so weird to me that so many teams are willing to risk it all on a fourth down play when it's not even necessary. But I, I get what you're saying. You're you're definitely right. It, it's the younger generation and stuff. You're right. But it's just weird. And I noticed it a lot yesterday. I mean, maybe I just happened to be paying attention like every time someone went for it on fourth down. But it did seem like a, there was a lot of them. I mean, the Falcons went for it, I think, three times on fourth down alone. So yeah, I've definitely uh, I've definitely noticed it too. It, I mean, me if I'm a head coach, it's so high stakes. Um, once you get to this level, and there's only 32 NFL head coaching jobs, if this is going to be my philosophy, I think I'm like I'm briefing the owner on it at the start of the season, making sure I got buy in from you know upper management and stuff. Like, hey, we're going to be aggressive. We know there's going to be times where this doesn't work out, but we're confident that you know the majority of the time we, we go forward on fourth down, we're going to keep the ball and give ourselves a chance to put points on the board. Yeah, I mean it, it's fun to watch. It makes the game more exciting, but yeah, it's just it's weird, man. It, it it's definitely weird to see it. Um. Next question, what is going on with the QB position? It seems like there has been a lot of draft busts in the last, it seems like more in the last 10 years than I can remember in a while. I mean, dude, just run down the NFL right now. And I mean, outside of what, a handful, four or five quarterbacks, who do you really trust at the quarterback position in the NFL right now? Yeah, there's only there's only a handful of straight up franchise guys where the team has absolutely like zero wondering eyes out there on, on college prospects or other guys that are available in the league. Um, I think maybe it's just the style of offenses that colleges are playing right now. Colleges are so big on spreading it out, getting a look at the line of scrimmage, and the QB is literally looking at you know his head coach, offense coordinator to get the the check play off the sidelines. I think that the college has made playing the quarterback position very very easy. And the step up in complexity of those NFL defenses um, is, is such a big drastic change from college defense. I think that's why you're seeing so many guys struggle out the gate. Um, yeah, and I don't know. It's probably going to it's something that's probably going to take a couple years for for it kind of writes itself. But it definitely feels like we're in a little bit of a dark age for for QB play these next couple seasons. Yeah, it's uh, it's really weird. Like I happen to look today at like the passing leaders for the NFL right now. Do you know who number one right now is in passing yards? If, uh, without looking at it, I'd probably guess Tua. It's a good guess. Tua has 715. Guess who second is? I'm guessing you're not going to get this. Uh, no clue, man. Kirk Cousins at 708. Like, I mean, like Tua is good, and I, Kirk Cousins is fine. But, I mean, you're going through the top five. It's Tua, Kirk Cousins, Stafford, C.J. Stroud, and Jared Goff. And then Mac Jones is six. Like, I mean, what the hell is going on here? Like the NFL is just in a really weird, I don't know, man. And like Tua is, Tua is a really good quarterback. Stroud, the jury's still out on him. Stafford's obviously had a good career. Goff is what he is, but I don't know, man. It just, it, the NFL seems like it's in a really weird spot now with quarterback play and, I'm Look not even Mahomes, man. Mahomes hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard either yet he, so far this he's season. He's eighth, and he's got five thirty-one, four touchdowns, and two picks. Which that is a really weird stat line for Mahomes. Like, not something you'd expect at all. Um, Josh Allen definitely got a lot of his back this week, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like 
I feel like college football has evolved so much and a lot more quarterbacks are the mobile uh, can throw on the run kind of quarterbacks as opposed to just sit in the pocket because I we obviously feel like that's going away. Um, the problem is, is let's just take a guy like Justin Fields, for example. The guy cannot read an NFL defense. I mean, I don't know how many of these still shots you saw from the game yesterday, but there was numerous times he had a guy running wide open 25 yards down the field and he just didn't throw it to him. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's weird to me that like so many quarterbacks that are coming out with all this like high praise and stuff just don't make it in the NFL. I mean, Kenny Pickett still be to be determined, but I do not think he's very good either. Um, CJ Stroud, same difference. He'll, he's to be determined, but I just don't feel like he's a franchise quarterback. It's just it's a weird time to be an NFL fan. Yeah, I mean, even you know Anthony Richardson's probably looked the best out of the three rookie quarterbacks so far this season. Even he, you know, he got knocked out in the first quarter yesterday. Um, I think one thing also that's different is with the <laughs> excuse me the rookie um, you know contract structure that went in place about a decade ago. I think it's much more low risk for teams to roll a dice on a QB in the first round. So I think maybe you're seeing some guys getting drafted up high that, you know, maybe 15 years ago would have been second or third round picks. Yeah, that's probably part of it. I mean, dude, I'm just like thinking back, like, I mean, even in Mahomes and um, uh, Watson's class, I mean, you had the Trubisky who busted. I mean, dude, look at the draft two years ago. You got Mac Jones still to be determined. Trevor Lawrence is obviously a stud. Uh, Trey Trey Lance is probably going to be out of the league. Justin Fields, like Zach Wilson. I mean, it is not good. I, it, there is a there's a lot more bust than there is uh, franchise quarterbacks. It feels like, and I don't know, man. NFL is in a weird spot, but you're right. Richardson has looked good when he's played, but dude, he's played two games and he's been hurt in both of them. Like that's not a good start to your career at all. No, it's definitely not. So. All right, we'll move on from that. Uh, I just I felt like we had to talk about that a little bit. Um, next, we'll yeah, maybe, maybe like I said, maybe there's an explosion coming, but it feels like it's going to be a defensive season this year. Looking at the first two weeks, yeah. Um, all right, uh, who should be more concerned about their two and zero start, the Bengals or the Chargers? I think you mean their zero and two start. You said two and zero. Oh, sorry, zero and two start. I knew what you. I knew what you're saying. Um. I think the Chargers, man, like I said, the Bengals, we saw proof of concept last season. They started off 0-2, damn near made the Super Bowl. It's looked uglier than it did last year. There just seems to be absolutely no juice whatsoever um, with that offense. They showed a little bit of life towards the second half yesterday, but um, still, weird start for Cincy. Uh, But like I said, we've seen them do it. I feel like San Diego, you know, I had them circled all season long for a down year. I think they're, you know, I know you disagreed. You thought Kellen Moore was going to be a difference maker, but I I saw this being a rough year for Staley. I think that team is so talented. I think he needs to be out of there. I mean, we joked around texting yesterday. I said that they should have uh, took Vrabel with them when they left Nashville, man. Imagine Vrabel with a talent-loaded roster like that. I just don't trust Staley. I think he's a guy that's a good defensive coordinator, bad head coach. Um, and if I'm San Diego, or excuse me, if I'm Los Angeles, I'm very concerned that uh, that this just kind of starts a downward spiral and they end up having a really ugly season. Yeah, um, the I, I definitely agree with you. The Chargers should be more concerned. Staley should have got canned last year. I still feel that way. Um, I think they'd be better with anybody as head coach other than him. I just don't. I don't see 
uh, head coaching potential out of him anymore. Just nothing he does. You can tell like the guys don't rally around him or anything like that. He's, he's just there. Um, one cause for concern for the Bengals, Burrow is definitely injured. Uh, it sounds like he might miss this week. There's definitely a possibility he misses this week. Dude, He that calf injury was way more serious than they let on, I think. I think he begged them to come back, which, dude, you just inked that guy to the biggest contract in NFL history, and you're just letting him decide that he's ready to come back. I don't know, man. It just seems like he's gutting it out right now, which, dude, it shows major balls, but that is your franchise that's out there playing with some kind of calf injury that we'll never know what it is. But he tweaked it in the Ravens game because he was hobbling around. So I don't know, man. I I don't think the Bengals – I don't think it's a quick turnaround like solution if, if Burrow is actually hurt because, I mean, obviously that will kill their team. Um. And they've got a tough schedule, man. That's a tough division. Um, the AFC scheduling is tough. So, I don't know, man. I, I think they're going to – they've got some uh, definite issues on the horizon. But, yeah, the Chargers should definitely be concerned because I don't see how they can turn this around. I mean, yeah, they have Herbert, but I don't know. Nothing about their first two games has showed me anything like I thought they were going to be this season. So, I'm definitely concerned for for that team, and man, I, they just uh, seem like they're a team that finds a way to lose, right? Like they they somehow just find a way to lose the games that they should be winning. And I don't know, it's something, it's like something just institutional in that franchise. I feel like that's been the case with them going back twenty freaking years, man. Um, San Diego's just always had a lot. Or I don't know, I can't help calling them San Diego. Yeah, man. Los you. Angeles, the the Chargers, they've always had a ton of talent, and. Uh, and just can't seem to just cannot seem to get on, on like a winning rhythm at all. This might be this might be a hot take, but I'm starting to see less and less special from Herbert. I don't know, man. Every time I watch him, he looks less and less special to me and just kind of looks like a a good quarterback but nothing elite like we all thought he was going to be. I, I might be wrong, but I I just I don't see it right now like He's not a guy that's just going to take over and um, he, he's not that guy that's just going to like tell the coach like, no, dude, we need we need to be doing this. Like, it just seems like the play is called and whatever the play is called, he's that's what he's going to run. Like guys like Brady and Manning would check out of a play if they didn't want it. It just seems like he gets under center and he runs the play that they called and that's all there is to it. You know, that was actually a knock on him coming out of Oregon. Um, you know, obviously you're nitpicking when you're you're looking at, you know, top-tier quarterbacks like that. But one of the knocks on him was that his personality uh, could be a little bit robotic. And, you know, his teammates didn't necessarily respond to him around like the, you know, the rah-rah leadership type stuff. So you may be onto something there. I do think he still has elite talent. I think he's being held back by coaching right now. Um, but, you know, like you said, he, he owns some of that, man. He um, Sometimes you got to be the quarterback to – you know, tell your coach like, no, this is what we need to run right here. This is the play I want to execute and and go do it. Uh, yeah, something's wrong there. And if if they drop it over and go zero and three, I think that seat under under Brandon Staley is going to be on fire. They got a tough game this week too. I don't remember who it is, but they got oh they got the Vikings. They got to go at Minnesota, and one of those teams is going to be zero and three. So that is Vikings going to be playing with some desperation. Yeah, that is not an easy game at all. Um, so. <laughs> I guess we'll see you next week. <laughs>
Um, all right, for the final story, we're gonna go. We're gonna start with the the what I think was the game of the week, which was Seahawks Lions. I don't know what it is about these two teams, but when they play, it's just magical. Last season was one of the best games of the season, the Seahawks and Lions, and I mean this year it was just as good, if not better. Like we definitely undervalued the Seahawks quite a bit and overvalued the Lions a lot. I still think the Lions are going to be good, but. Definitely a little hiccup in there. What everybody was hoping was going to be an incredible season. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it all was so still Detroit, in front man. Of them. Yeah, yeah, but it was just that was so Detroit, dude. Their most hyped, uh, you know, your most hyped road or most hyped home opener in maybe since the Barry Sanders days, dude. I don't know if that's hyperbole, man. Definitely the the most hyped one I can remember. And you go out there and and get beat by the freaking Seahawks, who are, are they're a fine team, but they're no world beaters whatsoever. Dude, I will say one thing about the Seahawks. The Rams beat them last week, and the Rams impressed the shit out of me this weekend against the 49ers. That team is gritty, man. They're going to play for McVay, and he's a great coach. This Puka Nakua dude just came from nowhere. Got Tony Brown's Coder Cup, dude. He looks just like he's Hawaiian Cooper Cup. He looks exactly like him, dude. He's running 35 freaking crossing routes a game, and he's going to end up with 15, 16, 17 catches every week till Cooper Cup comes back at least. I mean, he already set a record for a rookie in his first two games, 25 catches and like 268 yards or something like that. Like, that is absolutely insane for a guy that we've never even heard of. So, yeah, Matt Stafford, he something about him and that McVay offense. He loves picking one guy and just feeding him the freaking rock, man. They, yeah, they were impressive. Um, we'll move on from Seahawks Lions. Like I said, it was just a good game. Giants and Cardinals. I, I don't <laughs> that even know. It was a fun game, man. I don't even know how to like explain this game. The, the Giants looked lifeless through the first half. I, I seriously was wondering if they're even going to be able to score. Um, through six quarters, they looked like a team that was not even ready to start the season, but I'll give them credit, man. That fourth quarter, they scored, railed off 21 and answered and ended up winning that game. So yeah, it was a, off, dude. a dude, the, the Cardinals though, man, everybody talked about them tanking in two weeks in a row. It seemed like they played really hard through three quarters and then just tanked it out in the fourth quarter. Just it's almost like they're teasing their fans and just wanting them to have life. And then that way they still show up to the games. And then they're like, okay, now we can call off the dogs and take this game out. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Saquon Barkley, man. The numbers weren't eye popping, but if you watch that game, he was running his ass off down the stretch. And unfortunately ended up freaking spraying his ankle. Luckily it looks like it's probably just going to be a week or two that he's out. But yeah, Giants showed a lot of heart. It was against the Cardinals. So, you know, we don't, we don't. We're not going to crown them, but it was a it was a pretty good performance after an absolutely horrible start. Yeah, I mean, thirty one points in the second half is impressive, no matter who you're playing. So we're not going to rip on them too much, but yeah, it was a another good week of football. A lot of weird games, a lot of weird plays. So yeah, dude. I th- speaking of weird games, before we move on, how about the poor Broncos, man? You actually hit on a hail mary, something that happens like once every three or four seasons, and then you miss the two-point conversion. What a freaking heartbreaker. Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> I was so pissed, man, because I was watching that game. So yesterday afternoon, Sheena took uh, the kids and one of their little friends to the to the park to go play. And so I'm here all by myself chilling. Ended up watching the last like five minutes of that uh, of that Broncos-Commanders game. And, or no, who's, who's the, Bron- the Raiders, right? Who the Broncos have yesterday? Yeah, it, no, it was the Commanders, Bron- right? Broncos Commanders, yeah. 
Yeah, sorry, man. I've watched a ton of football and drink a ton of beer over the last two days. Yeah, so Broncos Commanders. Um, I ended up watching like the last five minutes, and I saw that they had it set up from the the forty eight yard line with three seconds left. And right as that happens, Sheen and the kids pull up, and they're sitting there. And at first, I'm like, you know what, screw it. I got to watch this last play. But then my guilt got the best on me. I was like, ah, you know, Sheena took all three kids to the park. Um, you know, I've been sitting here just sitting on my ass, drinking beer, chilling out. Let me go help her get the kids unlimited. And, you know, if you're a parent, you know that getting in and out from stuff like that can be a bit of a chore. Thinking that there's no way nothing's going to happen. I come back inside and I just see pandemonium on the field, man. So I missed getting to see that that Hail Mary live. So definitely a little bit bummed, but I felt better about it once they uh, they they botched the two-point conversion. Yeah, it was uh... – that was a special ending. I the game itself was pretty sloppy. The Broncos b- blew a big lead. Man, we were talking about it, it was just coaching last year. I, I maybe they're just not good. Maybe we just need they to They look better than they did last year, but yeah, 0 and 2, two very winnable games at home, dude. They let two teams come into Mile High and beat them. Like there's no reason they shouldn't be 2 and 0 with a lot of momentum for Sean Payton's first start, but not, not to but mention, yeah, it's, uh, dude, it's the, the Raiders beat him, and the Raiders are apparently absolutely miserable because they got boat raced by the Bills yesterday. Yeah, they got tore up, man. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the end of the stories. Let's move on. All right, let's get into UniWatch. All right, this is the segment where we cover any news and notes, any unique looks from the uh, the NFL the past weekend. Uh, first off, man, we didn't talk about it yet. What are you sipping on tonight, dude? I am just drinking the old classic Bush Light, man. It is, uh, like you said, I've drank a lot of beer in the last couple of days, so got to go easy tonight. Yeah, same. I'm doing a uh, Miller Light. Got the uh, the 16 ounce, uh, the, the pint, the, the coddle, the aluminum bottle, so... That is what I'm going with. So we'll kick it off with a game that was pretty uh, aesthetically interesting, to say the least. Down in, it, We're in Tampa Bay. The Bucks to try to get a little bit of uh, you know weather advantage with that heat down there, they rock their all-white alternates, the white pants with the white jersey, going against the Bears, who, instead of wearing their dark blue jerseys, went with the orange jerseys with that bright orange helmet. What did you think of the look of this game? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really something, the uh, the – Bears offensive linemen uh, looked like traffic cones, so it really fit when they were <laughs> trying to block for field. So, yeah, them wearing the orange jerseys definitely fit yesterday. The Bucks, I mean, all white, never a bad look. So, I, I like yeah. that look on any team. Yeah, the Bucks look pretty clean. The dude, I feel like they had to. Have, they must have like changed like the shade of orange for those jerseys. Cause I remember like the Brian Urlacher Rex Grossman years. I always kind of liked it when the Brent, when the bears would rock the orange jerseys. Am I, am I crazy that that used to be a pretty nice look back in the day? You got to remember though, that was Reebok jerseys. So maybe their, their hint of their tint of orange was a little different than the Nike orange. Yeah. It just seemed like it was like that true bears. Like, you know, it wasn't quite as dark as like the Texas Longhorns orange, but it was kind of in that like same family, right? That like darker color orange and, Maybe it was just the blue helmet set it off a little bit, dude. I thought those those bright orange helmets and those bright orange jerseys just didn't look like the Bears, dude. The Bears are one of those classic teams, got a really timeless uh, uniform design, and I just did not like that look at all. I, I am not a fan of the orange helmet for the Bears at all. I, I prefer the Navy helmet with just the orange C on it. They don't need to do any special helmet. 
Yeah, definitely. All right. So we'll take it from a, a solid two thumbs down to one that I know is going to be two thumbs up. One of the best jerseys in the league, the Falcons rocking the throwbacks. Dude, the red helmet just sets these off, too. That that red helmet is just absolutely killer. Um, they usually lose in these, so it's pretty nice to see them actually win in these jerseys. If they get another jersey redesign in the next few years, which I think they might, man. I think it's pretty universal that those jerseys they debuted in. Uh, well, that's 2020, right? First season of those new jerseys? Yep. Yeah, the 2020. I think those have kind of been a big thumbs down from the from the fans, man, which they had, they went away from a pretty nice Jersey that they'd had for about 16, 17 years before that. I think they just need to make the, these throwbacks like their, their permanent look. I think for the away jerseys, you just go white jerseys with maybe like the silver pants, like the nineties Falcons. Um, dude, it's just a clean look. It's just, just, it looks like football, dude. It looks like an intimidating, badass football team. The Falcons coming out with a throwback black jerseys with the red helmets. They need to bring back the old logo, too. I just, I think the old logo is like one of the cleanest logos. It, there's not a lot to it. I, I just, I think it looks better personally. Yeah, definitely. What was your favorite of the the Falcons like 2003 to 2019 jerseys? I, I kind of was always partial to the the red jersey yep. with the white pants. Yeah, absolutely. The red one was by far the best one. Because you remember the first couple of years, the red was the alternate. And when they originally came out, the black jerseys was the primary. And then I think it was like 05, 06, they switched and made the red the, uh, the home jersey all the time. And yeah, it looked very, very dope. I mean, there was a, quite a few times I can remember them. Uh, well, not quite a few, but when they were wearing the the blackout jerseys, the black jerseys with black pants, I loved that combination, but they just didn't do it enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, I loved those red jerseys in that era. All right, the Patriots busted out the Pat Patriot Classic jerseys. These are by far one of my favorites. I just... I love when they wear the red jerseys. A lot of people say it doesn't look like the Patriots because people are apparently 20 years old and don't remember the 90s <laughs> or anything. So I, I love it. I think that's a clean look. Yeah, I do too, man. That's another one that the throwback is so superior to their modern jerseys, which I get it. You know, on field, the Patriots really didn't have much success at all. They were kind of the, the doormats of the league with those jerseys, and they had uh, unprecedented success when they switched over to – the uh you know the navy uniforms that they they went to in the late 90s but but yeah that pat patriot logo is just so cool and the red jerseys just pop yeah that's another one where it's just it's always a treat when they bust those out yeah they're they're clean and then last but not least tonight we had one that we were divisive on the browns with the uh the all white uniforms with the white helmet so when we did ours the sean watson fires it deep oh my god he just right gets that interception yeah i mean it looked like that steelers db was freaking running the route for him. Uh, you know, we were on opposite sides of the fence on this at the um, when we did our kind of preseason uniform preview. You didn't like it. I said it was good. I will admit this is one of those rare times. So mark down the timestamp, the latitude, longitude, where you're at as you're listening to this. I was wrong. Seeing it on field, it does not look nearly as good as it did in the uh, the still shots and stuff from the offseason. It just... I don't know what it is. It's just not hitting for me on field like I thought it would. Um, so it, I, I kind of agree with you, man. I think it's a thumbs down. Yeah, when I saw them walk out in these, I'm like, yep, I still feel the same way I did when I saw them on the still shots. It's not the Browns to me, dude. These are not Browns unis to me. i not a fan at all. Especially, dude, a rivalry game on the road is when you're busting these out? Nah, nah. Steelers are just self-destructing. We had a dropped interception. Then looks like we got a personal foul, late hit on the pervert on the sideline. 
Good lord. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a mixed bag on UniWatch this week. Yeah, for sure. It's fun though keeping up with it, man. I, I find I'm I'm entertaining myself as I'm oh, flipping through the game as soon as they drop on hey, Sunday. That's on Watson, dude. That ain't on the Steelers guy at all. That's on Watson. Let's see here. I'm watching the replay. So we got a, got him by the face mask because we're coming out of bounds. Never let him go. Yep, and then he slung his ass down. Did they call? Because I, I got I'm on mute right now. Can you I hear it? Who did they no, call I'm the penalty on? Mute on? As well, I haven't seen it yet. Oh look, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> Trubisky signing. I want, do you think his ears were burning as you just completely slandered his name? They call it. Yeah, they did call it against the Browns. I never thought Trubisky was that bad, man. Trubisky. I mean, he wasn't great, but I thought Trubisky had. I saw him play some decent ball for the Bears. He was at least serviceable, which is more than I can say for Justin Fields at this point. Yeah, I feel like we got too many. Like I don't know, man. I. I kind of like back in the days. Think about in the '90s. How many? Maybe it's just the nostalgia talking. But think about how many like mediocre ass quarterbacks you would see get a run of like seven or eight years as the QB for their team. You know, nowadays they don't have it. It's if like if the team doesn't think you can win them the Super Bowl, they they chuck you in two or three seasons nowadays. I feel like we we used to accept mediocre play at QB for so much longer than we do now. Yeah, uh, actually, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about the old quarterback club video game the other day, like how many bad quarterbacks were on that game. And (laughs) I mean, because, dude, those guys were all getting a ton of of time to prove themselves. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Get attached to them. Everybody's got everybody's got the short fuse now on quarterbacks, man. It just seems like teams are so quick to give up on guys, which. I get it, man. This is a what have you done for me lately league. So you don't get the the normal eight years you used to get. Like, dude, you, you either succeed in your first five years or they're going to move on and draft somebody else. Yeah, think about how long like Jake DeLome was in Carolina, which, yeah, he had a big year that first year there going to the Super Bowl with him. But it was never above like, you know, slightly above average was like as good as he got past that. Yeah, yeah it's crazy to think about. All right, let's get into our picks. Yeah. 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 All right, Jordan, how did we do in week two? I feel like this week was better. I, I ended up with the same record as last week, but I, I still feel like this week was better. Um, just to clean up on last week as well, since the Jets won, uh, Seth ended up going six and ten in week one, and I ended up going nine and seven in week one. So, not not our best performance out of the gates. Uh, for this week, uh, I am nine and six with only the Steelers remaining, and you are ten and five with only the Steelers remaining. So that's what I'm talking about. We, we both pick the same team, so we're now tied one week apiece, right? Exactly. Yep. Let's fucking go. All right, you ready to get into week three? I am. All right, opening it up Thursday night. This one, this one could get ugly, dude, but you never know. It's the NFL. We got the Giants traveling to San Francisco to face the mighty 49ers. We can move on. I'm uh, taking San Francisco. Yeah, I think San Francisco has a showcase game. If the Giants had that much, again, tip of the cap to them for that performance against Arizona, but if it took, if it took all that to beat Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals, uh, yeah, I think this one's going to get ugly real quick. This might be like, you know, 25-point lead at halftime. And you have no Saquon, so yeah, best of luck to the Giants this week. All right, we have the Colts and the Ravens in Baltimore. 
questionable if uh, Anthony Richardson is going to play. I don't yeah. know. I know he was in concussion protocol yesterday. I, did you have you heard anything on that? Yeah, but I the way they do a concussion protocol now, like I'd be pretty surprised if anybody who got concussed yesterday plays this week. After the two yeah. thing, they are you have to pass like five tests now to get out of it. Um, and why bother, dude? The Colts aren't going to the Super Bowl this year. Why send him into Baltimore against a defense that you know is is violent, man? They play with some anger. They got some big hitters on that defense. So why not have him sit out? And, Gar- and uh, Minshew is, you know, he is a very serviceable backup. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I'm definitely taking Baltimore. I, I mean, I was going to take them either way. I think Richardson makes this game a lot more interesting. But yeah, but I, I still think Baltimore wins either way. Same. They go to three and zero, a quiet three and zero, man. The you know Lamar Jackson hasn't really been all the way electrifying yet this year, but again, kind of like the Titans, dude. Harbaugh is a good coach; he's gonna have him ready to win. And I would not want to be going to Baltimore uh, come January if they end up winning that division and being able to get some some home field advantage first couple rounds of the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. All right, the Titans and Browns in Cleveland. Man. The Browns have already lost about five guys tonight, including Nick Chubb. Their defense is good, though, man. They're good against the run. I'm going to go Cleveland with not a ton of confidence just because I think their defense is good enough to to keep um, Tennessee in check on offense. But, again, not a ton of confidence in that pick. They are at home, so that that's another reason I'm going with Cleveland. The Titans are literally one, you know, deep ball connection in week one away from being two and oh. And I have a rule that is kind of starting to become one of my philosophies to live by. And it's never in any situation, at any time, at any place, for any reason, count on the Browns for anything. So I'm going Titans. All right. All right, we got the 0-2 Broncos, full-on desperation mode. You know Sean Payton's digging deep in the playbook this week, traveling to Miami to face the 2-0 Dolphins. He can dig as deep as he wants. He ain't going to find the solution to that problem, Dolphins. Yeah, Broncos defense has been less than stellar. I think the Dolphins go to 3-0. and All right, this should be an interesting one. The Patriots, who are, I'd say, probably the best 0-2 team in the league, going to New York to face the Zach Wilson-led Jets. I think the Bill Belichick cooks up something special on defense. I think we see Zach Wilson implode even more than he did last Sunday against Dallas. And I'm thinking it's something like a three-interception, 115 passing yards day for old Zach, and the, and the Pats get their first win of the season. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't have a ton of faith in New England, but I have way less faith in Zach Wilson. Um Dude, New England through two weeks has some troubling trends. It does not seem like they're very keen on starting the game off hot. Um, they've went down big in both of their first two games. Don't love that trend, but I, like I said, I'm still going New England because I don't trust Zach Wilson at all. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, dude, I I think New England's been good, man. They played the Eagles tough to the very end, and they played the Dolphins tough, man. I just think they had a bad draw the first two weeks. No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they they played two good teams, so. But yeah, Owen, you are like Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are, and they are Owen two. Yeah. All right, so then we have Buffalo going to DC to face the mighty Commanders two and zero. 
Dude, Buffalo sure seemed to find something in the second half yesterday. I think they continue to play well this week. I'm I'm going Buffalo. Yeah, I got a ton of friends from my time in Virginia that are big Commanders fans, so I'm happy for them that they're actually got a little glimmer of hope to start this season off, but uh, I don't see it lasting past. I don't see the undefeated streak going past Sunday. Bill's roll. All right, this is another intriguing game, man. 2-0 Falcons going into the 1-1 uh, Detroit Lions, man. Good matchup between the Falcons defense and that high-powered Lions offense in Detroit. Um, what's your read on this one? If you would have asked me this question last week after the Lions beat the Chiefs, I would have said the Falcons have zero chance of winning this game. Dude, they're just a gritty team, man. They run the ball well. They play hard. Good coach. I'm going to go Atlanta. I just... I, I don't know why, but this team is like giving me faith, which is the worst thing that Atlanta can give me. <laughs> I just, dude, I mean, if, if they do this right, like you just said in the opening, we haven't even had a Bijan game yet. Like, dude, if he does what he should do and just hands the ball to Bijan and then runs play action off that, this team could win. A, I mean, they could win 10, 11 games easily. Like, they're, I mean, they're not bad. Their defense plays tough, they keep everything in front of them. Detroit, I want them to do well. I really do. But in the end, are we still like trusting Detroit sports and Jared Goff? Like that's the problem is you're still trusting Detroit. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I don't have a ton of faith in this pick. You're right. The Falcons are a very tough team. I think they might be the better team out of these two. But on Sunday, I think the Lions just get a few too many explosive plays on offense against that defense. And I, I think the Lions put up about 30 points and the Falcons have a good effort, but come up just short. Fair enough. All right. Up next, we have the Saints, the 2-0 Saints undefeated, heading up to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. I say Packers take this. I think the Saints are biggest frauds in the league right now. And uh, I think the Packers get back on track with a big victory. Yeah, I think – Aaron Jones is going to determine this game, whether or not he plays or not, because they definitely need him. Um, man, A.J. Dillon, the dude is the size of a house and yet can't get a yard in third and one situations. He just falls down. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> but I agree with you. The Saints are not a good football team, man. There is nothing that they have done through two weeks that I've been like, oh, yeah, that looks like a team that – could make some noise at the end of the year. I don't think Green Bay is great either, but home field advantage going to Green Bay. I'm going to go Green Bay as well. Let's do a quick live pick, man. We're entering the fourth quarter. Browns got the ball up three against Steelers. What's your read on this one? Do the Browns hang on and get the win tonight? The Steelers have not looked good at all tonight. Like I don't think the Browns have looked great, but the Steelers are not good offensively at all. So I'm going to say Cleveland hangs on. Yeah, I agree, man. I think chips are down. Kenny Pickett's a tough, tough player, but he's not necessarily a good player, and I think the the Browns win. All right. 0-2 Texans traveling to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. Jags had a huge letdown game uh last week, man. That felt you know, it felt like they were primed to kind of have a, a turn their corner moment on their season if they could take care of their business against the Chiefs, but they look like shit. I think they get back on track this week though and send the Texans to 0-3. That was uh that was supposed to be Trevor Lawrence's I'm here game and uh that is not what that was at all. They got shut down by the Chiefs defense. Um 
Yeah, Jacksonville is not losing to Houston, man. Houston's playing tough football. Like the, they are, they're standing game. CJ Stroud's look decent. Uh, I don't know what their deal is with uh, Damian Pierce. Are they just like against giving him the football this year, or I I don't really understand what they're doing there. But yeah, I'm going Jags. All right, with the Desperation Bowl up in Minnesota. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Chargers and Vikings in Minneapolis. I am completely off the Chargers now, dude. I I think this team is in deep, deep trouble with Staley as the head coach. I'm going Vikings. I think the Vikings are going to put up quite a few points. I think they're going to throw the ball all over that defense. And, yeah, I, I do not feel good about the Chargers at all anymore. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, probably the streakiest quarterback in the league, and he ended that Thursday night game against the Eagles on a heater. I think he keeps it going and uh, Chargers to 0-3 and turn up the heat on Staley. Yep. All right, moving into the late slate of games for Sunday afternoon. We only got three games in the uh, the late window. First off, we got the 0-2 Panthers traveling to Seattle uh, against the Seahawks. I think rookie quarterback and one of the best home field advantages um, in the league, I think the Seahawks roll and send the Panthers to, uh, to 0-3. Man, I hope for the Panthers' sake. Actually, I don't. I hope they suck, but... I mean, I'm just saying, like, as a football fan, I hope for their sake that this Bryce Young trade ends up being worth it because they're definitely going to be giving up a top 10 pick this year um, in the draft to the Bears. So, not good. They are going to get boat raced by the Seahawks. I agree with you there. (laughs) You rarely see spreads this high, but the next two games, we got a 12-point spread and a 13-point spread. Cowboys going into Arizona. Now, keep in mind, this is a place where the Cowboys fans travel exceptionally well. Over the years in this game, even the years when the Cardinals have been good, this ends up being basically a Cowboys home game. They're heading to Phoenix to face the 0-2 Cardinals. Um, I don't think there's any doubt on this one. I think it's just a matter of of if, man. Or, or yeah, if they cover the spread, because it's 12.5-point spread right now for Dallas. I think they kick the Cardinals' ass and, and keep this train rolling. I'm going to go a step further. I don't think the Cardinals score in this game. <laughs> just getting their freaking shut out. Yeah, dude, I just I mean, seriously, we've watched we watched I watched a little bit of the Cardinals this week. You watched a little bit of the Cardinals this week. You do you have any faith that Joshua Dobbs is going to do anything against that Dallas defense cuz I got a feeling Micah Parsons is going to be in his lap that entire game. Micah Parsons has come out and said that he is trying to win the MVP this year and I got to say he's well on his way um 2 weeks in. Yeah, he looks uh incredible. All right, the other one. This is a 13-point spread. Your boy, Justin Fields and the Bears traveling to Kansas City to face the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Best of luck to you, Bears fans. This is going to be ugly really, really fast. I I think this game gets out of hand, like, immediately. What were the schedule makers thinking with this late slate, dude? Panthers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Cardinals, and Bears, Chiefs. Yuck. Well, you got to remember, dude, in the offseason, everybody was talking about Justin Fields as a potential MVP candidate, and then they remembered that you actually have to play football, and he doesn't know how to read a live defense to save his life. So that's probably what they were thinking, if I had to guess. (laughs) Goes without saying, but um, yeah, I think the Chiefs win this as well. All right, Sunday Night Football next week. We got the Steelers and the Raiders. Classic AFL matchup. Um, it's in Vegas. Uh, I think I'll go Steelers, man. But this is not. This is a gross. Another gross game. Oh God! 
This is a bad one. This is probably the it's one. It's hard to it's hard to get fired up about either team, dude. I think I think the Steelers got a little bit more toughness and grit to them, though. So that's why I'm, I'm picking them to go into Vegas and leave with the win. Yeah, not with a lot of faith, but I'll go with the Steelers. That oh God, that is a bad game, man. That's a really bad game. Yeah, I'll go Steelers as well. All right, and two very, very interesting Monday night games, man. I'm looking forward to this little doubleheader action we got uh, next Monday night. So first off, Battle of the Undefeated. This is the only uh, matchup of undefeated teams in week three. 2-0 Eagles travel to Tampa Bay to face the 2-0 Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers. Yeah, the the Buccaneers are having a nice little season, but... I mean, dude, I just I don't see it, man. I I just don't see the Eagles losing to the Bucks. I mean, if they, if they do, good for the Bucks, man. They're they're playing their hearts out, but I just don't see it, dude. I I feel like the the Eagles are going to score at will on them. I yeah, I'm going Eagles. I'd love to see it just because I've never been an Eagles fan outside of the years Michael Vick was there. For some reason, I just I've never liked that team. And uh, you know the Bucks, they're they're plucky, dude. I I don't I don't really don't think they're going to end up making a playoff run, but I think they're going to be a tough beat um, all season long. But yeah, I, I think the the Cinderella run ends in week three. I think the Eagles go down there and take care of business. But I think I think the Bucks hang tough, man. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. And then last, this is a really compelling game. The one and one Rams travel to Cincy to face the zero and two Bengals. The only thing I'm going to say about this game is the Bengals better pray Joe Burrow plays because if he doesn't, dear Lord. Um, I'm going to go Cincy here just because this is a must-win game for them. I mean, no matter who's playing, it, it's a must-win game, and I feel like their backs are against the wall. I feel like they're going to respond. You know... All I can, dude, I'm not going to be blinded by what's happened in the past. I'm looking to look at these last two weeks, dude. The Rams have played really, really good for two weeks, and the Bengals have played really, really shitty. I think the Rams win this game, man. I think they go into Cincy and win, and we see that the Bengals just go into a tailspin. If the Bengals lose this game and Joe Burrow is really banged up at this point, just shut him down for at least a couple of weeks. There's no reason to play him. Like you go 0 three, the odds of you making the playoffs are at about 3%. It's low. Gotta be. I know it's 10% for 0 and two. I looked it up for 0 and two. The one in the last week. Yeah. 0 and three has got to be even worse. So, um, yeah, not, that's a, a tough, a t- tough hill to climb. All right. So that is it for our week three picks. Let's get into million dollar bets. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, Jordan, tell us how we did last week on our bets. Uh, Seth went 2-0, and I went 0-2. It was uh, Kansas City-Jacksonville over. I, I don't know what the hell happened in that game. <laughs> that, that was just a horrible bet. Uh, the first half over on the Eagles game should have hit if Justin Jefferson didn't fumble going into the end zone. Still don't know what the hell he was thinking on that play. Like, dude, you're like four yards out. You shouldn't be stretching from the four-yard line. Um, But, yeah, over two for me. Seth hit on Eagles money line and Kansas City money line. So, um, 
I think my math was correct on this year. You gained back $50,000 in fake money on the two money line bets. You can check my math on this, but I'm pretty sure you won like it was right around 20 on the Eagles and right around 28 on the Chiefs. So I just rounded it up to 50K. So what are we sitting on for the season wide tally right now? We are both down 50K. So we are both at $950,000. All right. All right, you go first. Okay, I have both of mine ready. So I am taking San Francisco 10.5 points on Thursday night football. I just The the Giants are going to struggle against them mightily without Saquon, and I'm taking Dallas minus the 12. All right, I'll stay away from the money line. I'll, I'll go a little bit more ballsy this time. I will go – I'll go Chiefs. Minus 13. I think, you know, it's only so long you can hold Patrick Mahomes back. This will be a second week with with uh, with Kelsey back. I think they're, they're due for an offensive explosion. So I think they cover big. Double-digit spread in the NFL always, uh, it's scary. always makes me a little bit nervous. And then I'll take the Bucks to cover, man. The Bucks are getting five and a half. I'll take the Bucks to cover on Monday night. I think they're going to give the Eagles a tough game. Okay, so Seth has Chiefs. What is that at 13? Yep, 13, and I got the Bucks plus five. Plus five and a half. Okay. All right. All right, you ready to get into listener mail? Let's do it. All right, so first off, we had a question from J-Bone from uh, Coming Down the Aisle, fellow Pod Foundation brother, so definitely check out his show if you're a wrestling fan. He says, is Deion Sanders being so brash, setting up a possibility for his players being targets? Also, should the NCAA step in and deal out a heavy punishment to the guy that delivered the dirty hit on Justin Hunter, or is that just football? Travis Hunter, either way. Yeah, same thing. You knew what I meant. Yep, I did. I I actually was talking with somebody about this on is either Thursday or Friday last week. We were just going through the college football slate. Dude... <sighs> The Dion shit, it, it works for his players, but like people outside of it, I think it's going to rub them the wrong way. And this is my thing. Like, the way Colorado reacted to this on Saturday night was, I don't know, man. They they are some showboating motherfuckers. And for them to, to be so pissed when they're getting it thrown back in their face, do I agree that hit was absolutely unnecessary? Yes. The hit was not right, but... Dude, they're opening themselves up to those hits. And honestly, the longer this season goes and the more this continues, like I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's definitely not something you should be doing in the context of the game. But, dude, I think this is going to happen more and more. Um, and and Colorado is not without fault here. I mean, I saw a couple of replays. Shador Sanders uh, tried to poke one of the defensive linemen's eyes for the um, Colorado State. <laughs> hit, him with, hit him with the old Three Stooges. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, he put his hands inside of his helmet, so that's definitely what it looked like he was trying to do there. I don't know, man. I, I, I definitely agree this this cocky attitude and cockiness is going to end up biting them in the end. I think it starts this week. Dude, a 21-point dog is a ranked team going into Oregon. I honestly don't even think that's enough points. Colorado's defense is bad. That, they are a bad defensive football team. And if you just keep them in front of you on offense, which is easier said than done, I don't know. I, I think it's going to get ugly on Saturday. I I don't disagree. I think Oregon gets the win, but 
you know, I think it, there's at least one multiverse out there where Colorado pulls it off, man. Dion's just been a winner everywhere he's gone, so I'm never going to count him out all the way, but yeah, it, it ain't looking good. I don't necessarily think that he's making his players a target. Like, I don't think the other teams are like, yo, we got it. We, we're going to fuck these guys up. I think it's just the amount of attention he's bringing to them is making teams circle them on the calendar. They're becoming like, you know, five years ago what it was if like new Tom Brady and the Patriots were coming coming to town. It's always a big game. Doesn't matter what the records are, or whatever. You know there's gonna be a ton of attention, ton of spotlight. And that's what gets guys up, gets the emotions, the adrenaline flowing, and that's when you see those big hits, man. Um to answer the second part of the question, the I think a fifteen yard penalty was enough punishment for that hit. I mean it was a dirty hit. I've seen a lot worse though. Um and I dare to say, you know, maybe fifteen years ago that borderline if that's even a flag right it's definitely a late hit but it was he was making a football play and it wasn't like you know i don't know i think it, i think that was just a standard issue cheap shot 15 yard penalty and keep the game moving i don't think we needed to have you know like the colorado pd waiting for that safety with cuffs as soon as the game ended you know yeah i don't i don't think there needs to be any punishment after that it's just yeah motions were running high i get it it's just one of those things all right, let's get into the rest of our listener mail. What's your read on this game now, man? Browns got the uh, – yeah, no, excuse me, Steelers got the ball back driving with uh, under 10 minutes to go. Yeah, but who has any faith in the Steelers to actually put together a full drive? That's the problem. <laughs> all right sorry i was the game was pulling my attention to me for a sec all right so here we go brian vermeer says as a diehard chicago bears fan which wait we need to pull his fanhood card man he lives down in louisiana down in Louisiana. how's he not a saints fan but either way he says as a diehard bears fan i believe wholeheartedly that justin fields was the answer to our qb issues after the last two weeks is it a bad system for him or is he a bad qb so i think you guys know our thoughts on this one jordan thinks justin fields is basically the worst football player to ever step uh, onto the gridiron i i still think the dude could be salvaged man i just i'm a big believer in special talent and when that dude takes off running it looks different man he stands out amongst a league of super athletes I, so, I think there's a coach out there um, that could unlock his potential and really make him the the superstar that I think he could be, but I'm not sure if he is going to have enough chances to last until he hooks up with that coach because it has been very ugly the last couple weeks. Just so we're clear here, and, and I, I just want to make this absolutely clear, um, I do not think that he is a good quarterback, and I am going to stick with that. Seth just literally said that Jordan didn't think this guy was a good quarterback. And then Seth goes into, I think he's a phenomenal runner. Not once did he say anything about him <laughs> playing the quarterback position. Seth basically <laughs> just said exactly what I said. Is he a good running back and a good athlete? Yes, he is not a quarterback, though. I want to see somebody, you know, I'm assuming it's going to wash out with the Bears, maybe it lasts another season or two. Dude, I want to see somebody make him the the super version of Taysom Hill. Tell me that couldn't work, dude. Imagine him, like, doing some receiver, some running back, some quarterback, like just mixing it up and just, you know, using him all over the place, man. The problem is, is, dude, that takes a lot to swallow your pride when you're a first-round draft pick. I I mean, if that's the only opportunity you're going to get, you're just going to have to go with it. But <sighs> I don't know, man. Yeah, I, just, I, feel you. I just don't think he's going to do that. 
I like Jason Koenig in our Chick Foley show Facebook group. You can join up at chickfoley.com. Uh, he said, he replied back to that question about is it a bad system or is it a bad QB? He said both. <laughs> <laughs> Way to cover the whole base. All right. Johnny JB says, what are the issues that the Patriots who seem to start a comeback late in the first two games but still lose? I think the Patriots are a decent team. I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a decent team. And they've just had two tough opponents the first two weeks, man. I don't think it's time to, you know, panic in New England. I just think it was, like I said, tough two games and they're in a tough division. But I think the Patriots are playing okay football. Yeah. If they can avoid the 17 0 hole, like, dude, they've played really good football in the second half of games. I mean, Miami didn't exactly look like world beaters last night. And coming no. off week one, when I thought this is going to be like the greatest show on turf offense, like, I mean, all things considered, they held Tyreek and Jalen Waddle pretty well in check last night. Like, Mostert went off, but I mean, you just kind of got to live with Mostert going off when you're playing that team. And let's be real, man. Like, just start Bailey Zappi, dude. If they will start Western Kentucky Hilltopper, Bailey Zappi over Mac Jones, they'd probably be 2 and 0 right now. I don't think Mac Jones is the problem. He has not looked bad at all. No, nah, he's not. I'm just playing. Mac Jones has been totally serviceable. I, like I said, I think the Patriots are fine. I think I don't think it's going to be you know the glory days of going 14 and three and having home field advantage through the playoffs. I see the Patriots being like nine and eight, you know, something like that. Nine and seven, one in the last week, and you know, needing a win and like three other teams to lose and somebody to tie, and maybe they can grab the last wild card spot. That's kind of where I see the the Patriots potential after this year. How about you? I don't think they're going to get quite that far on wins. Uh, I'm in the more seven, eight range. Um, I just, I don't think they're going to be an over 500 team. Like they got some good players. They got a good defense, but dude, it, when, uh, when the tax are down and your balls are against the bandsaw, you're telling me you have faith that the Patriots <laughs> offense is going to put together a hell of a drive. Cause I don't like, no, I don't care I who the don't. quarterback is. This has always been, well, I mean, other than the Tom Brady years, this is the, what people say about Belichick is his offense isn't creative enough. It is not. Like, yeah, and he the talent's never really been there, dude. I mean, as much as we love Belichick as a coach, he's also been the GM going back at least 15 years in New England. And, dude, what great players have they really drafted on offense, man? The, think about it, the years when the offense was really cooking – it was either Brady doing it all with, you know, mid-tier guys or it was, you know, Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Outside of Gronk, I don't really know any, like, stalwarts that they that they drafted. I mean, they did draft Aaron Hernandez. Let's give him credit for that. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> dude, here's the thing. They have Ramondre Stevenson, and the dude has a ton of potential to be a great running back. They run him into the ass of the center almost every play, and I don't get it. Like, dude, get that dude out in space. Like, why are you running the ball up the middle with this dude? Is he a speedster? No, but he's good in space. Like, you have Zeke's fat ass there to run up the middle behind the center. Like, why are you running Ramonde Dre Stevenson up the gut? Like, I just – I don't get it. The, their offense is so weird. I was just sitting there watching that game last night, and – what the hell was Juju thinking going there? You literally left the Chiefs to go play for the Patriots crappy offense. Like, I mean, did the Chiefs want him back? I, do, did you watch the Chiefs week one? I'm pretty sure they would have had you out there suited <laughs> up as receiver if they could have. And I don't think the receivers looked uh, particularly well yesterday. Like, 
they've rotated so many receivers in already through two weeks. Yeah, I would think they would take Juju back. Hold on a second here. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They had 10 guys catch a pass yesterday. I think the Chiefs have kind of just taken a philosophical stance as a franchise that we're going to roll like mid grade and below on receivers, right? Like if we can, if we can hit on a late draft pick, awesome. But I think they know that they can get by at this stage as his career. We're just rolling the ball out there with Patrick Mahomes and whoever out there receiving for him and investing in, in other parts of the team. I agree with that, but here's going to be the problem for them. And yeah, sorry, we got off your Patriots question with this, but the problem for them. Oh, oh no. TJ Watt. There goes the fucking pervert again. Dude, he is so bad. Good Let's lord. See what this did to so also, full disclosure, me and Jordan are also playing against each other in fantasy football right now, and I have the Browns defense. Do you lose that, points when a defense scores, though? Yeah, because it goes by total point score, oh. dude. You get, like, so many points. Right now, I'm clinging to a three-point lead. Yeah, with, but uh, I think that the extra point... Seven minutes to go. Whatever they do here, whether it's an extra point or two-point conversion, I think that knocks you down, too, because I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, the 25 is the threshold. We're staring down the barrel of a tie right now, man. <laughs> All right, back to... Uh, yeah, Dick said, yeah, Chiefs are... I, the problem is, man, yeah, nine times out of ten, Mahomes is going to be good enough. We saw it last year in the Super Bowl. Oh, but, but yeah, sometimes you get to nut cutting time and you got to have that guy that you can just, you know, that Tyree kill, just get him the ball and let him go do his thing. Before I got distracted by that play, I was going to say, dude, they have to start preparing for life after Travis Kelsey because as much as we talk about him being the Iron Man and how much he plays and stuff, dude, tight ends do not last into their forties in the NFL. Like he, he is winding down his career, whether or not people want to believe that or not, his career is on the downside at this point. Like he is starting to wind down and I'm sorry, man, they are not preparing for life after him right now. Like I get it. They're all in, but dude, you got to have somebody when that guy does eventually retire. Cause I mean, dude, he's 33 years old, about to be 34 this year. I don't know. I, I just think we're we're getting closer to the end of his career than people are talking about. Because gotta be, yeah. That's just it's at a certain point. It's kind of just physics, man. Yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be good as long as they have Andy Reid and Mahomes. But yeah, dude, uh, Kelsey turns thirty four in two weeks. Like that's ancient for an NFL skill player. Yeah, I mean, dude, he's been in the league a while, so it, we're getting closer than people think. All right, move on. All right. Zach Hertzler, or excuse me, John Swallow had another question. He says, feels like it's going to be a slow year on offense production. Is it just me or defense is starting to catch up to a lot of the gadget plays or trick plays? I don't know if it's specifically the gadget plays or trick plays, but like we said, I think it's definitely going to be a slow year offenses-wise. I think one thing that contributes to it is, at least in this early season, is that teams have gone almost completely away from playing their starters and their key players in the preseason. And first three, three, four weeks of the season are kind of like an extended version of the preseason um, that, that you would have seen in years past. And I just think overall, like we talked about the quarterback play, it's going to be a defensive year. I don't think we're going to have somebody throwing 47 touchdown passes this season. Um, outside of Justin Jefferson, I don't know anybody that's going to put up like a historically significant offensive season this year. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Jamar Chase was going to do it this year, but through two weeks, that's looking uh, bleaker and bleaker by the minute. Um I, yeah, I don't know. Is it that 
I don't think it's that defenses are figuring people out. I really don't. I think we touched on it earlier, man. There's five really, really good quarterbacks in the NFL, and the rest are just average, dude. Like, there's 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 five quarterbacks that you'd feel comfortable starting your or continuing your franchise. The rest of the guys are just kind of there. Like, yeah, I just I I feel like because I don't feel like defenses are getting better. I really don't. Like when I watch football week to week, there's a lot of bad defenses in the NFL. The problem is, is, and I feel like play, uh, play callers are getting more and more conservative for unknown reasons. I don't really get it. I I don't know, man. It just, it seems weird to me. Like the NFL is in a weird spot right now. And I mean, last year we were just talking about like how good of a position the NFL was in and, it's weird. I feel like less than a year later, it just doesn't feel that way to me. Like there's not a whole lot of like young up and coming stud quarterbacks. Like the five that are the stud quarterbacks are the only ones. Like, I don't know. It's, I think, I just think the NFL is in a really weird spot right now. Yeah. You got Burrow hurt and his, you know, look like not, not himself to, to be kind so far this season. Kyler Murray's out, you know, he's another guy who was kind of one of those, this could have been like a boom bust season for him if he was going to make a break in, in Arizona. Um, yeah, just rough across the board for quarterback play right now. All right, and last quarter, we got two more questions. All right, so Zach Hertzler wants to know, player that's been the biggest letdown so far this season. Got to be Joe Burrow, right? I know we got the injury factored in there, but with the uh, you know the the big contract he got right for week one, I don't know how it really could be anybody else unless you want to throw, throw Aaron Rodgers in the mix with his four-play Jets career. Mm, you can't really hold that. No, it's definitely Burrow. It's it's Burrow or Chase to me because, dude, I thought that offense was going to come out clicking day one and that they were just going to, I don't know. It, it's just weird right now. Like, again, NFL is just weird right now to me. It's just in a weird spot. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's Burrow. All right. Sam Rosenthal has got two questions for us. He says, is Colin Kaepernick ever playing the NFL again? Absolutely I think that ship sailed, dude. We're going on seven years at this point. And he wasn't particularly good the last year he played in the NFL, so I'm going to say absolutely not. Yeah. And then he also says, do either of you watch XFL, USFL, or Arena Football League? I don't. Uh, you know, if I had a little bit more time, like I think if I was single, no kids, I'd probably find the time to tune into some of the secondary leagues. I used to love watching Arena Football back in the day. Uh, but no, I have not made time for any of the uh, the the you know the minor leagues. I mean, Seth already knows the answer to this question. I uh, I uh, eat, sleep, and breathe any kind of sports. Like I I watch everything. Seth always jokes around that I'm out here watching equestrian when there's nothing else on. Like, <laughs> dude, I do. The I world just, curling championships. I just I I love all sports and especially football. So yeah, I'm I'm not like an avid watcher of the XFL or USFL, but I mean, if I got some time on a Saturday during the spring, I'll I'll turn it on, but I mean, I'm not definitely not an avid watcher, but I do watch it. All right, so that's a wrap for our week three episode of the. What? Well, so how, how are we going to refer to these? Are we going to call this the week two episode or the week three episode? This is definitely week three because we're pre- previewing week three. Okay, we'll go by the week we're previewing. Uh, uh, Deshaun Watson fires. Oh, oh my God. gosh, dude! Jesus, dude! All right, we are. Uh, we got five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, so we are not going to run live commentary like we did last week uh, for the end of the game. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, again, drop those, drop those reviews, hit that subscribe button on the podcast, and we will talk to you guys next Monday night.
To the place to spend my quiet nights Time to unwind, so much pressure in this life of mine I cried times, I once contemplated suicide And would it trap when I held that night All I could see was my mama's eyes No one knows my struggle, they only see the trouble And knowing it's hard to carry on when no one loves you Picture me inside of misery and poverty No man alive has ever witnessed struggles I survived Praying hard for better days, promise to hold on Me and my dogs ain't got a choice but to roll on We finally find a spot to kick it We can drink liquor and no one bickers over trickness A spot where we can smoke in peace Even though we dreams, we still visualize places We can roll in peace and in my mind's eye I see this place of pledge going past I got a spot for us all We can ball at Thug's Mansion Every corner, every city There's a place where life's a little easy Little Hennessy, lay back and cool Every hour, cause it's all good Leave all the stress from the world outside Every wrong time will be alright Nothing but peace and love Street passion Every ghetto needs a thug's mansion Thug's mansion oh, oh. Nothing but peace and love Street passion Ghetto needs a thug's mansion Sometimes I see the world for how messed up it really is Tell myself I'll be the one to make a change in it I could die tonight and I'll make it to the sunrise But then I wouldn't heal the pain in it I'm getting high to forget about the lows though Get a paycheck, spend it all on polo Designer brands cover up my insecurities Personally I ain't nothing but an average Jodo And now I'm dressing so expensive for no reason Cold world we living in is below freezing I got some fam who can't afford a coat So I leave a little paper there before I go I spend a thousand on a hotel, they pour broke And make me wonder who I'm praying to before the show This a letter to whoever, I'm just hoping that you see Remember love and remember me Every corner, every city There's a place where life's a little easy Little Hennessy, laid back and cool Every hour, cause it's so good Stress from the world outside Every wrong time will be alright Nothing but peace and love Street passion Every ghetto needs a dog's mansion